welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Dr. Shruti Kapoor. Dr. Kapoor is an award-winning gender equality activist, economist, TEDx speaker, and social entrepreneur. Shaken by the horrific gang rape in Delhi in 2012 that caught the attention of the global news media, she founded her organization, Safety. Its goal is to educate and empower women and girls in India against gender-based violence. Dr. Kapoor was named by Apolitical as one of the most influential people in global policy in 2019. She is a regular contributor on gender issues and a network member of Apolitical, a global policy platform and a network of policymakers and thought leaders. As a World Pulse impact leader and digital change maker, Dr. Kapoor is dedicated to media, digital, and traditional approaches to strive for gender equality and gender-responsive implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals. Welcome, Dr. Shruti. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you? I'm very good, Tess. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So before we get started, um, if you can tell me what your background is, we'd like to get to know you. So before we get into the conversation about your organization. Sure. Uh, So I am um, the founder of Safety, an Indian NGO that works on educating and empowering women and girls against gender-based violence, originally from India, where I spent the first half of my life, you know, um, and then I moved to the U.S. for further education for higher studies. And Mm -hmm. I've been here um, in the U.S. for over 20 years now. I'm a professionally an economist by training. I have a PhD in economics, so um, I've been in school for a very long time. Um, but now I am working on, um, you know, through safety. I, um, the work that I do is more around gender equality, on uh, gender-based violence, and addressing gender-based violence. Great, thank you. Um, so you're a, an economist, or you studied to be an economist, and you worked in the World Bank as an economist in D.C. Um, then right. from D.C., you, went, you got your Ph.D., and then you, after you completed that degree, you taught, at, you taught economics at Occidental College in California. Um, how is economics, um, how is that helping you with your organization? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've, I've spent half my life studying economics, uh, I did a bachelor's and a master's and then a PhD in economics. And and um, like you mentioned, you know, right after I graduated, I taught for a year at Occidental College. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved coast. We moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, and after which I started safety here in New York City. Um, so honestly, in the work that I currently do, I don't get to use a lot of economics, um, you know, the work is around women's rights, gender-based violence, gender equality. Um, having said that, I am a firm believer that no uh, knowledge or education goes to waste. And so, um, you know, I, there will be use of it in in some form. Sometimes, uh, you know, my research background comes really handy when I'm trying to look for data on gender-based violence or when I'm trying to 
um, write articles or do any sort of reports, mm -hmm. that's when uh, I'm really able to use my research background from mm -hmm. my PhD. But in the day-to-day -day working and the work that we do, I, I would say economics doesn't really come into the picture. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So you're the founder of Safety. Can you tell us what, how that came about? Um, how you founded Safety and how you got involved with social justice? Yeah, it's really interesting that we are doing this, you know, uh, interview today because uh, on December 16, 2012, um, it, today is also the uh, death anniversary of Nirbhaya, um, oh, wow. you know, which is one of the reasons why I started safety. So on December 16, 2012, um, you know, there was a gang rape that happened in New Delhi, India, yes, a young I, I girl. That. Yeah. Yeah. So she she was a brutally gang raped and and succumbed to her injuries and and I remember there was a lot of outrage and anger uh, about that incident and I uh, I had just moved to New York City from the West Coast and I was in between jobs and that incident really shook me um, and I thought about you know actively wanting to do something about the issue of women's safety mm -hmm. and that's how I got it uh, you know got started on safety with the idea of educating and empowering women. Um, it came from a place also because I grew up in India and I knew, um, you know, the kind of conversations we were having in our homes were not enough mm -hmm. re related to women's safety. And, and so it was, the you know, Nirbhaya's death that kind of um, motivated me to start this and my own personal experience, having spent enough time in India and in the West and seeing the contrast between women's issues, women's rights and women's safety that led me to ultimately start uh, safety. Wow, I, I do remember that um, that news when I, I, I read about that young girl, that young woman being gang raped and then and she passed away from her injuries and that was so heartbreaking and I yeah. never knew um, that situations like that were happening almost daily, right, in India? Um, is that, is that it, it, it is, yes. I mean, rape, gang rape is is, is common in India. Mm -hmm. um, it was unfortunate that, um, you know, the details of that case were very unfortunate and and, um, and they did get a lot of attention, including global attention. Yes. So, but, but it's true, like, there are a lot of cases that are happening that, um, don't get the right attention that that is required, and and a lot of times we don't even hear hear of such incidences right. that because the media doesn't cover them. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to get to something that you did in February 2020. You did a TED talk in India titled "How to Talk to Children About Safe Touch." How did right. that How did that come about? Yeah, so um, again, you know, um, it's it was motivated from my own personal incidents of being um, abused as a mm -hmm. child. And um, earlier in 2019, I was approached by TEDx Gateway uh, in Mumbai to do, um, you know, to join the TEDx talk. And, and I thought of it as an opportunity and a platform to be able to talk about an issue that is very, very close to my heart and mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And that's how this whole, you know, uh, the whole TED, TEDx talk came into being. Uh, I wanted to 
come out with my own personal story about child sexual abuse and i thought that there is no better way and no better platform to do it you know than through that tedx stage where um on that day there were about 5000 plus people listening wow. um and and so it really gave me an opportunity and the courage mm-hmm. to speak up again something that i had not openly shared with anybody mm-hmm. um and that's that's how the whole you know that talk you know it was months of working on on uh the talk and practicing and, and that's how it came about wow yeah i i was really um it was so enlightening for me um and especially when uh, what i loved is when you mentioned this quote i which i wrote down is like i know our culture teaches us that we must respect our elders but what we must respect is their behavior not their age yeah that was really powerful and i was like i never thought of that because so many like you know most people just say yeah you know you should respect your elders but you know if they're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing as an adult and towards someone who can't fight for themselves then yeah definitely i i totally get that but that was really powerful and was that still based on what you went through um yeah uh, you know thank first of all thank you for acknowledging that um uh, uh, it was more again you know um coming from my cultural background in india there is uh, we give a lot of importance to respecting elders mm-hmm. um and often as children you know we really don't have much agency over um our bodies uh, about what we can cannot do what we can cannot say because the um you know we believe that our elders know best for us and and right. our parents know best for us and and so uh, we grow up with the notion that whatever the elders are saying and doing is what we need to listen to and what we need to respect but unfortunately as i you know talked about it in my talk that in in more than 90% of the cases in child sexual abuse the perpetrator is known to you it is somebody you trust and might be in your own homes mm-hmm. you know an adult in your own home and and so this um this concept that we must always respect our elders you know you must always respect your grandparents and your parents or your uncles and aunts mm-hmm. but you know what they are sometimes or usually the perpetrators and so um we must encourage our children and mm-hmm. all of us to speak out against um actions and words um, you know which are harmful so it doesn't matter whether it's your grandfather or not if he is doing something wrong mm-hmm. we must be taught on how to speak out against him also yeah. um and that doesn't mean that we are disrespecting um you know the elderly person it just means that we are calling out their wrong behavior right No, I totally agree. Um and it's so important that everybody gets that message because again, you know, like we are so as a culture we're so ingrained to you know, to listen to elders, but if they're the ones who are perpetrating the harm, then yeah, you know, that 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 needs to be addressed. Um, right. So you your organization, uh Safety, hosts Twitter chats and it's been very very enlightening for me. especially especially when you have experts to talk about solutions towards fighting GBV gender-based violence yeah. how have the responses been regarding these you regarding these events absolutely wonderful we just 
uh, you know, so we've been doing these, uh, say, T-chat sessions. These are once a week Twitter chats that we do on Twitter for over four and a half years. So we've done about 250 plus of these chats every wow. week. Um, and we just finished, you know, our a series of six chats in collaboration with the Canadian Consulate General in Mumbai and Twitter India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these were really powerful sessions. There were six, a series of six sessions, Twitter chats that we did, mm-hmm. wherein we had invited um, people from the Canadian, you know, panelists from the Canadian Consulate. So these are people who are involved in policy making in, in the running, um, you know, of the Canadian and the Indian um, relationships. We had guest experts, like you said, we had people from, um, you know, uh, who are journalists, people who are um, actors, people who are activists Mm -hmm. to talk about gender-based violence, the impact of uh, COVID on women, on gender, mm-hmm. and creating safe, sustainable cities. Uh, and we did really well. We almost, you know, I was uh, looking at the numbers, the impact of these chats, and we are looking at, um, you know, somewhere in the range of making about 70 million impressions, um, you know, from, and I'm talking about one of the popular chats right. that just made 70 million impressions. So That's engaging, amazing. you know, a globe. Yeah, so... These are really good because they're a great way to engage a global audience from wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, on all of these chats, we have people participating from more than 30 countries around the world now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what better way than to bring people together to talk about gender-based violence, how to address gender-based violence, or even hear from various survivors on, on what their challenges are um, at a local level so i think there is uh, i find these chats to be extremely insightful and powerful in the way we are able to bring people together for these causes no i agree and i've tuned in to a few of your twitter chats and they really are i love the questions that you ask and there some of them i wouldn't even like think of asking you know and and they have been very <laughs> very enlightening um thank you so you also i mean for you, for those who don't know, you also just created um, an app. You launched an app recently called My Umbar. Um, yes. Can you tell us about that? Can you tell me about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So My Umbar is a, a women's safety app that uh, we launched in partnership with Vodafone India Foundation and NASCOM Foundation, supported mm-hmm. by UN Women India. And this is a, a, a unique uh, women's safety app because it has some... It, it's an you know amazing example of how you can use technology for women's safety. The best part about this app um, is that it has uh, some very amazing features that uh, so far have not been um, you know that have not been explored that much uh, in other apps. So uh, one of the features is you know there is of course a safety survivors toolkit which is a very very comprehensive toolkit for survivors and allies. Um, that kind of navigate you, um, you know, if you're a survivor of gender-based violence, how do you proceed forward? Um, you know, how do you proceed forward with, let's say, filing a legal case? Mm-hmm. Or, or what what should you know before going to get a medical checkup done in a hospital? So it, it provides very comprehensive information, both um, in the form of um, text and mm-hmm. also uh, through audio mm-hmm. Um so if you are somebody who is unable to read, um, you can listen to these, um, you know, bites of information. Um, 
So how to proceed, you know, uh, once you have experienced any sort of gender-based violence and the legal, medical, socio-psychological aspects. It has a, a directory, an all-India directory of 400 plus service providers across India mm -hmm. that are providing services to survivors of gender-based violence. Again, whether mm -hmm. it's a legal, medical, mental health, um, you know, women's shelter. Um, it has a very cool feature. Um, there's a so the, the whole app can be camouflaged as a weather app. So really? let's say, you know, you're you're a survivor oh. or a woman who's using the app and suddenly you feel there is danger and somebody is watching you. Uh -huh. You can at the very quick of a button, you know, change the entire app into a weather app so that nobody can suspect that That's you are trying brilliant. to get wow. help. Uh -huh. Yeah, so there are some amazing features like that. There's an SOS where, you know, at the press of a button, you can uh, call out, reach out to your friends and family for help. Um, there's also uh, a section called Am I at Risk, where you can just through a very simple um, set of questions, you know, it will guide you as to whether you are at risk of domestic violence, whether you're at risk of depression, in which case you should go see a professional, right? Yeah. So, so things, those features, I feel, uh, are extremely useful in guiding those who don't know um, how to go about, don't know where to look for information, don't know what the next step should be. So, we are very, very excited about this app, and there is huge potential. Um, and in our next phase, you know, we are rolling out um, awareness um, sessions in colleges. Um, around grassroots organizations so that more and more people learn about the app and adapt mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, adopt it. Wow. I mean, I actually went on the site and I thought it was brilliant. And I love that feature that, you know, in case you, this young woman is at risk, it just goes, it camouflages as a weather, you can change it, the face into a weather app or a weather face. That's a really, that's brilliant because, you know, it's like you, no one else would know other than the person who is possibly at risk what's going on yes so it's yes. that's I, I thought that and I really loved it is comprehensive because I looked at all of you know um the, the different stages of it and I thought it was for someone who desperately needs help or even if they're not even sure it's a great way to at least gauge, you know, what what should I do next? And I love that you have, besides text, you have voice because, like you said, you know, sometimes you just you don't want to like have to um, read anything, just like say something quickly, and then it'll be yes. transmitted. I think that's brilliant. Um, and I, I, that's so. When do you think the app will be um, will be done or will be out for? for women to use, for, for people to use? That was already launched. We oh, it launched, launched it. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, we launched it on um, October 20th. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so the app is on the Google Play Store. Right now it's launched for Android phones only. And we are going to uh, also launch an Apple version of the same. Okay. Um, there is a web version. The website that you're on is a web version, but the app is already in the Google Play Store for those of you who are in India. That's great. That's great. Uh, so do you think that with everything going on, especially, um, I'd like to get back to um, safety. With the pandemic going on right now, do you think it's made it harder for women to... Um, to use um, the tools that you've given them because of the pandemic? Um, 
so it, i don't think it's become harder for women you know for example um now that everybody is mostly locked down at home and spending more time at home mm-hmm. um it's it is easier to have a, a phone app like my umber mm-hmm. so that you can still reach out for help um earlier it was you know when you could go out and you could approach a shelter or call a shelter openly that was um that was an option but now a lot of women and girls are no longer safe in their homes mm-hmm. um you know they are they are stuck with their perpetrators and abusers at home so they right. don't have the the right help and the resources and uh, even the friends and the network of the friends and family um who they can seek help from so i think in such times uh, tools like ours you know whether it's the my umber app or whether it's getting online um through the safety chat you know weekly safety chat sessions that there the ways in which people can reach out for help creatively you know you you i've talked about this for a lot of victims it's not easy to pick up the phone anymore and call right, right? Yeah. but what what they can do is um discreetly being on let's say some sort of a a game on their phone which has a chat feature and send a message to their friend mm-hmm. or you know send a, a signal uh, through their service providers whether it's the mailman or the vegetable man you know so that they can get some sort of help so one has to be uh, one has to use uh, other other ways in reaching out for help and mm-hmm. I, i think um organizations like safety that are um trying to disseminate information um and connect survivors with service providers i i think it's important to be able to um use those tools now more than ever mm-hmm. I, 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 that's great thank you for sharing that so with the self defense courses that are being used by women in parts of india and the launch of mayambar do you think gender based violence will occur much less or do you think it'll stay the same um so right now you know again this year has been unusual because of the pandemic we haven't yeah. done any events in person yes. but again um during these past 16 days we actually partnered with the um US consulate in Mumbai and self offense mm-hmm. uh, and we were able to provide virtual self uh, offense safe and sound um uh, workshops for for women um and activists and these were you know uh, five sessions of the workshop talking about how you some some ways in which you can stay aware of your surroundings set mm-hmm. boundaries learn to say no mm-hmm. um identify when threat and danger is coming so we we've, we've been able to find again ways uh, and use the virtual setting in a in a more meaningful way to to continue the work that that we had been doing in the offline space okay thank you um what are your so if you are not speaking in front of people fighting for gender equality what do you like to do yeah um, you know when i'm not doing safety i'm busy at home i have uh, an almost 5 year old a toddler at home who pretty much you know keeps me very mm-hmm. occupied <laughs> with her own agenda and her own thing so i'm you know busy being a mom um i love uh, photography i love you know traveling but this year of course you know there has been no traveling but um i i like to spend time 
um, feeding, um, you know, my creativity through photography or art. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my daughter Dia takes up a lot of my time. So, <laughs> you know, she's she's still so young and uh, where she's still learning so many things. So, uh, you know, being a parent is a full time job yeah. in itself. Yeah. So, so yeah, sure. that's that's what I I keep myself busy with. Oh, well. Uh, so, what are your goals? What are your goals for safety? Um, yeah, you know, so again, there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know how things are going to pan out next year. We didn't see, you know, this year was unusual. We didn't see it coming. But I think one of our goals, uh, so at safety, you know, we, we are supported by uh, volunteers from around the world. Uh, so one good thing when the pandemic hit was that we we were we didn't have to change much in terms of the way we work because we were already doing everybody you know works from home from wherever they are yeah. um, and our teams are really spread out like that so we were already already connected um, you know it, this was normal for us to be able to get on WhatsApp calls or Zoom calls because that's what we've already all, always been doing right mm-hmm. virtually working from wherever it is that we are so that part can you know was still easily doable um but for next year and you know for the coming years i think our goal at safety is obviously to build capacity mm-hmm. uh, to be able to replicate the work in more cities uh, and eventually in more countries mm-hmm. for example right now the safety survivors toolkit that we launched last year around this time um, you know we launched it in english now it's been converted in uh, translated into hindi uh, and other regional language marathi so to be able you know to just um, use these tools that we have built and and be able to reach out to larger and larger audiences to be able to create the impact that that we envision. So capacity building is one of our uh, long term goals for sure. Awesome, thank you for that. Um, and I, and I think that's really wonderful because you know you are um, you are thinking so far ahead in ways that you've already, I mean, you've already done a lot of things. So it's basically a continuation of what you are thinking of, of what you're doing, which is wonderful, especially for young girls and women. Um, so what would you say to young girls and women who might be going through gender-based violence or domestic violence? Yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, there are a few things that I would like to tell them. One uh, is know that it's never your fault, you know, any sort of gender-based violence is never your fault. It's not your clothes. It's not what you've said. It's not the time of the day or the hour of the day that you're out or you're drinking. So, you know, our society does a very good job at blaming mm-hmm. women and girls yeah. um, and somehow making them believe that it, it's something that we have done or, or said that has landed us in this situation. Uh, but remember that again, uh, it's never your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rapes happen because of rapists, not because of what you wear or what you do. Um, and it's also not the, you know, uh, an incident of gender-based violence is not the end all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't define you um, as a person and who you are. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's unfortunate, and yes, there is trauma involved and. And sometimes the healing process can take very long, but know that there is help mm-hmm. and that there is hope. So I, I encourage women and girls to uh, find their support, you know, find their um, support system 
and always reach out to help when they need without feeling ashamed or without thinking too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would encourage them to do that. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. Thank you for uh, for your words of wisdom there. Um, can you can you tell me, do you think we're a long way away from eliminating eventually elim- eventually eliminating um, gender based violence? And why is it so, why has it been so hard for us as a society to get rid of that? I think it's been hard for us. Gender-based violence has been a persistent, um, you know, like the UN said, that it's a shadow pandemic because um, because of many reasons, right? Like, look at look at look at all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Let's ask ourselves: Do we have a zero tolerance policy towards mm-hmm. sexual harassment, towards gender-based violence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we do we believe in gender equality? Um, in the truest way, like at home, look at look at your lifestyle, like look at your own homes. Um, are are the men and women, um, you know, doing equal work at homes? Are they really um, respecting each other's boundaries and space? Do the men in your family respect the women? Um, do we teach our children to very early on to you know the concept of consent and respecting women and girls? Uh, what what is it that our society is continuously perpetuating, right? That women yeah. are less than men, um, and that domestic violence is okay. It's something that needs to be sorted between the husband and the wife. So, if if we are continuously giving those messages out uh, and having low levels of tolerance for gender-based violence, then it's a problem that will take a long time to yeah. be addressed because not not all. Um, stakeholders are involved and have the will to bring about that change, right? Yeah. So, and when I say stakeholders, I mean individuals, I mean uh, governments, I mean institutions. We all um, have different thresholds for for gender-based violence. And unless we really, um, you know, create and say this is urgent and needs to be done, you know, money needs to be invested and we need to have this zero tolerance policy and the laws need to be uh, implemented more uh, in a more timely manner. If, if unless we all don't pull up our socks, it's not going to be addressed on its own. Yes, um, you know, so yeah. so I think uh, we are a long way, but we've also come a long way, right? Yes. From what what this was twenty years ago, when nobody was talking about it, to now when people are openly talking about it, when we have dedicated days like the sixteen days, where the entire world. Mm-hmm. It's coming, you know, to raise awareness on gender-based violence. I think those are the Muita movement, you know, those are excellent examples of how more and more people are talking about the issue and doing concrete things to address it. Right. You're so right. And it's, it's definitely showing up daily almost, you know. It's, just, it's like more things are happening and more people are becoming aware that, you know, this is, that gender-based violence is never okay and that you know women should be treated as equals and yes we have a long way to go like you said but we are we we are getting there slowly but yeah. you know we are getting there so thank you uh, for, for your for those words um so if you if people wanted to get involved with safety how would they go go about doing so uh there are many ways you can get involved with us uh, you know you can 
um, apart from donating your money to support the work that we do, you can volunteer your time for us. We're always looking for volunteers. Uh, we're all, you know, looking for people who are experts in social media, experts in writing, experts in uh, raising funds for us. So if you're somebody who has the time mm-hmm. um, or the money, you can support us, um, you know, through both or either. Um, just write to us at teamatsafety.com. You can go to our website and you can look at the current internships that are open. You can, you know, write to us about volunteering. And this is, again, no matter where you're based, you know, we have volunteers from all over the world now. Um, so, yeah, if you're passionate about addressing gender-based violence, about making a more gender-equal world, then uh, we would love to hear from you at Safety. Great. Thank you so much. And and if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? If I could go back in time, what would I tell my younger self? Um, you know, I, I, would, I would encourage my younger self to, um, again, stand up, stand up for... Um, for myself, mm-hmm. uh, for my rights. Um, oftentimes, we don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. We purely based on our conditioning. Um, but again, it's never too late to learn. And it's never too late to to speak up for what you believe, um, you know, is 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 in your right and, and what your rights should be. So I would encourage people to, to pay more attention um, to themselves and, and and what their rights are and use their voices, their platforms, their social media, um, you know, to talk about things that really matter to them. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Shruti. I know you, I, I appreciate all of uh, what you said and thank you for spending the time with me um, on the show and especially regarding uh, gender-based violence and safety and your new app, um, I hope you'll come back and talk more. One, you know, once we have, once you have a lot of people um, launch uh, who are already using your app, I would love for you to come back and let me know how it's going and how safety is is progressing. So thank you so much for um, spending your time with me. Thank you so much, Tessa. I appreciate you taking out the time to speak with me, learn more about our work. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you. you. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Dr. Shruti Kapoor on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. 